0: The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised.
1: The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800.
0: Happy Friday, everyone. Uh, Tonight, uh, I share some of the latest news stories about sex. And some of the things that I'm going to be sharing with you include a new survey on BDSM-related activities. It's uh, some interesting correlations there. Uh, Men with a particular trait are more likely to exaggerate the size of their penis. Could you be one of them? I'll also talk about some of the many unusual sex fantasies that are actually pretty quite common, according to a study. Well, I'll talk to you about pot smoking and testosterone, another study there. Uh, lots of studies tonight, actually. So the la- basically the latest science that has to do with sexuality, including one on gay dads. And beware if you got your Valentine an internet-connected sex toy. But before I get to all those stories, let me help uh, some of our listeners out with some of their questions This is what we're going to do first and foremost, 514-800, and I forgot my guy's voice there. Time to
1: check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion now at 514-790-0800 or 514-800.
0: Sorry, voice man, Uh, I forgot to include you in this. Uh, Of course, you can call in, text in, email me anytime, laurie at Laurie. So leftover from last night, I like what this person wrote. I believe that expressing love doesn't necessarily have to be restricted to another individual uh, or even oneself, however, but freely generally distributed rather and equally extended to animals and even the planet itself. I am with you on that showing love and kindness to animals, people, the planet If everybody did that, can you imagine the world we'd live in? We'd be living in now. All right, some questions for you. Got this one uh, through Facebook, actually. Says, uh, a serious question that's maybe come up before. What is the best vibrating sex toy for male masturbation? So I don't know which is the best. I can tell you what are some of the more commonly used ones. And they are all variations of what we would call a sleeve. Basically a a cylinder where the penis can be inserted and it can have different sensations. It simulates either vaginal or anal sex. So it can have have some vibration. It can have ridges in it, uh, usually used with uh, lubrication. Or lubricant, and basically you insert the penis in it and move the sleeve up and down. Uh, there are also other things that are common for guys, which are penis rings with vibrating bullets. Which those are are good to use, often with a partner too, because the vibration could help the partner, depending on where you position uh, the um, the side of the the vibrating bullets. It's like a t- it looks. The size of a bullet, basically, and it vibrates. And if you put it on the bottom, uh, not on top of the, the penis, on on the facing up, uh, facing up would help your partner. Facing down would uh, may stimulate uh, the perineum of of the of the guy wearing it. Uh, and those are basically rings that are uh, they constrict a little bit. so they're kind of rubber rings that you put at the base of the penis. They also also help to maintain um, erection at the same time as providing a little bit of pleasure. All right, more questions. This one by email. Remember, email, passion, uh, actually, laurie at drlaurie.com or through the iHeartRadio app. You can also send me questions there. Why do people cheat on their partners? Is monogamy dead? We've had this question, similar questions before. Why? Why? What a big question. Why do people cheat? When you look at the numbers, the sheer volume of people who actually engage in infidelity, uh, it's a good question to ask uh the why I don't know if there's an easy answer to this because there are so many reasons uh, for people uh, cheating. I think there are plenty who have no problem being faithful to their partner. And then there are others who cannot, they just cannot stay true to just one person. There may be some people who just need more, maybe more sex, more passion, more desire, more attention, more affection. Uh, and maybe they um, they want to have their desired uh, some desires fulfilled that their partner uh, may not be with. But if one partner uh, or one person in the relationship needs more of something, the f- first person they should discuss this with is their partner, rather than go outside of the relationship and do it in a in a sneaky uh, way. Um, Sometimes it's about sexual cut. In other words, two people's needs are uh, very uh, different, and and even if they may love each other, they may not be uh, compatible sexually. I've seen that with, uh, for example, um, one person who really needs in the bedroom to... To have a partner who is dominant and their partner doesn't like to be dominant and wants to be the submissive. And so it's sometimes very it is difficult to make that work, although there are plenty of compromises that can be made and and plenty of negotiation uh, as well. So that's, to me, the key uh, element and open communication is always key, and then there's always the option of discussing with your partner, which may go over well, may not go over well, of consensual non monogamy, which I'm hearing is far more uh, couples engaged in this, or at least I think it's always been around. I just don't think people talked about it so much, but now they are so and now we have a different word for it, which doesn't seem so um out there let's just say or or Uh, doesn't feel as wrong as infidelity or cheating. Remember, infidelity is about a betrayal. It's about secrecy. It's about going behind a partner's back. Consensual non-monogamy, even though you're having sex with other people, it's consensual, meaning consensual between the two partners that are committed to each other. And I know a lot of people think, how can they be committed to each other and yet have sex with someone else? But you can be romantically committed uh, and not sexually committed as long as the two of you are in agreement of this. And that's that's the big caveat, as long as the two people agree. On the topic of sex toys, um, this person writes, a while back you were talking to someone, they mentioned a toy that was a something egg. I think it had a Japanese name. Do you recall what it was? You're asking my 55, almost 55-year-old brain to remember? Uh, It's not going to happen. If anybody out there uh, can think of this, a sex toy, it was a sex toy for guys. I'll look for it. I'll, I'll look into it again, but I don't recall uh, unfortunately, right off the bat. So if anybody else does, I'm sure some of you out there have far better memories than me. You'll let me know. Uh, coming up, I want to talk to you about a BDSM-related uh, survey, looking at some of the uh, correlates. Like, what do some of these people uh, look like in terms of when, uh, whether they do it publicly, whether they do it privately? There's actually a difference. And I want to take a look at that and, of course, so many other stories. And want to hear your thoughts, if you have any thoughts on any of the stories I'm sharing tonight. Of course, you know, you can always uh, interact with me at 514-800.
1: Your relationship's on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now, 514-790-0800. Passion, News Talk Radio, CJAD 800.
0: Lots of stories to share with you. Actually, a lot of results of surveys. Uh, this week was... Uh, heavy on the surveys or not just surveys but actual studies published in uh, books or in peer reviewed journals so you know uh, these are quality surveys or quality studies so this was a survey done on BDSM uh, related activities Um, don't have the journal where it was published but I do have the the authors of this so if you want any more information about this you can always send me uh, an email laurie at drlaurie.com and i'll give you the information if you're looking for more in-depth Uh, So what does BDSM uh, stand for? Well, it covers a whole spectrum of activities within bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, and sadism and masochism types of uh, relationships. We still have quite a bit of stigma associated to this, but really due to um, people's lack of knowledge really uh, and the the unfamiliarity with this kind of practice and we still have a tendency to marginalize this type of sexual behavior but uh, part of what we do on the show as you know once a month we focus on alternative sexuality or kink uh, kinky sex part of it is to destigmatize through knowledge just expanding knowledge uh, within, this, uh, within this stigmatized group. So this was a study done in Belgium. So it was a Belgian uh, population, and they wanted to characterize certain aspects of uh, socioeconomic status and specific BDSM preferences of individuals who had different types uh, of uh, BDSM experiences. What they found was that people who perform BDSM in a community setting, meaning at BDSM clubs, events, things like that, are generally higher educated, are significantly younger when first becoming aware of their inclination toward kink-oriented sex, and have a more strict BDSM role identity, meaning that they identify as either as a dominant or uh, submissive, more so than individuals who engage in BDSM-related activities in a private setting, just uh, between their, uh, you know, their bedroom. Uh, the latter group, the ones in a private setting, display a more pronounced DOM sub-identification than individuals who only fantasize about the practice And the data also indicate that BDSM interest is a sexual preference. This is, this to me was the most important point here, Um, is a sexual preference already manifesting at an early age with role identification profiles becoming gradually more pronounced based on the practitioner's contextual experience. So basically, they found that um, in regular language that they found that people identified with this quite early on. They knew quite early on at an early age that this was something, even, even though they couldn't quite maybe have words to describe it, but they, uh, this was something that they eventually uh, grew into, but they re- recalled that they, they had a very early interest in these kinds of dynamics in, in this type of uh, relationship. So what trait do you think makes it more likely for a man to exaggerate the size of their penis? You know, oftentimes we uh, people do research on, on this, right? They, they want to survey uh, the size of penises in a particular region or compare it. But they can't go around measuring everybody's penis, so they rely on self-report. So this new study has revealed which men are most likely to exaggerate the size of their member. This was done at Clemson University, and they found that men who worry what other people think are most likely to say they have big penises. The researcher surveyed 166 male college students using a social acceptance test first and participants also reported the size of their penis when erect an analysis of the results revealed that men who were more concerned about social approval tended to say they had longer penises the professor who led the study said the often repeated statement that the average size erect penis is 6.0 to 6.25 inches is a myth Based on many studies in which men self-reported penis size, uh, so they looked at the four studies where researchers actually took measurements, and they found, which is uh, which others, many others have found, that the average, in fact, was 5.36 uh, inches. Um, and he goes on to say, this has probably led many men to feel inadequate. And insecure. So the trait is whether you care what other people think. That is the trait that makes you exaggerate the size of your penis. If anybody cares, of course, I don't know. Uh, Gay dads make great dads, according to a study done right here in Quebec. The Université de Quebec à Montréal did a study, and um, this was a study done by. Eric Fauger, uh, who over seven years observed 46 families, including 92 gay fathers and 46 children, ages one to nine, and this was done for his doctoral thesis. He says, one of my main objectives was to study the degree of engagement of gay fathers and how they distribute parental work. I wanted to see if that had an effect on the adaptation of the children and to understand the determinants of the father's engagement, why some fathers get involved in certain areas of their children's lives rather than others. So most of the fathers here, the gay fathers, had, um, these were uh, children that had been adopted. Uh, and what he found was that gay parents are very involved in their children's lives and that their children respond much like they do in families with heterosexual parents. Uh, we learn, he says, that gay fathers' sharing of tasks is very equitable. There was a high degree of engagement in all types of, Uh, parental roles. Though gay male couples bypass many of the issues that gender stereotypes can have on heterosexual couples, the two parents often assume different roles when it comes to child rearing. The researcher found that there was a statistical difference, just minor. uh, There was always one dad who did a bit more, which brought us to categorize fathers as either principal or secondary uh, caregivers but that said gay fathers deviated more frequently from conventional notions of masculinity by taking on traditionally feminine roles when caring for their um, children so apparently they have a much wider range of roles that they in, engage with which has nothing to do with uh, their uh, their masculinity apparently The engagement level of gay fathers in the study was determined by two factors, a man's revenue, so men with higher revenue tended to be less invested in family life, and a father's degree of so-called feminine traits. As he explains, these are arbitrary culturally defined traits, but those with a higher degree of feminine traits were more involved with childcare. So I think this is interesting because we're talking about some of these men, who although they scored high on masculinity, as they did uh, some testing on that, they were still more emotionally demonstrative, tender, compassionate, warm, and gentle. And what does that tell you? Men are perfectly capable of these same so-called feminine traits. They don't have to be. You don't have to be gay to have these traits as well, right? So um, what the the conclusion of this is, it shows that the idea of sensitivity as a feminine quality is false. Fathers can be sensitive even with young kids. Men are not pre-programmed to be in charge of discipline and not take care of uh, the kids. And what they also looked at the children and the children's attachment, meaning how um, how they how secure the children felt. Uh, and they found that uh, that attentiveness of gay fathers to their children was directly linked to the children's sense of attachment. So this he hopes um, will just add to the to the base of knowledge that's out there uh, for. Uh, people to be able to see the, that they make excellent candidates for adoption, even though here in Quebec, uh, gay uh, fathers or, or gay individuals can certainly um, adopt and that they are fully capable of taking care of young kids and can do a great job of it, and their kids grow up uh, so similarly than if they were had been taken well cared for in a heterosexual relationship. So I thought I would... Kind of uh, dispel that a little bit. I want there's a lot I want to share with you tonight, and I hope we can get through some of uh, most of it. But uh, there's some weird and odd sex facts. I'm going to give you a listing of these. You may want to re-listen to this podcast after we uh, we finish the show, just to keep some of this. And these are kind of trivia questions, but they're all based on on research and things that we don't commonly hear. That you might want to share at your next uh, dinner party, and say, "Hey, did you know? Did you know this? Did you know that?" We'll talk about that. And I do want to talk about internet-connected sex toys. Those sex toys that you uh, you can control from a distance. In other words, where your partner may be in one city, you're in another, and you're controlling it remotely. These are known as teledildonics, and we've talked about them on our sex tech show, but here uh, share an interesting expose on these internet-connected sex toys and the dangers that it can pose. So there's that story and uh, many others. But first, let's check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised.
1: From the pleasure to the pain and everything in between. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800.
0: I have some very interesting facts about sex that uh, you're going to want to hear. Some stuff that you don't just know instinctively. Facts all coming from stuff that has been uh, research. Did you know that women are more willing to commit adultery during their ovulation than at any other time throughout their cycle? Another fact, most women who lose their virginity between ages 15 and 19 actually wish they had waited a bit longer. And those teenagers, uh, most teenagers lose their virginity, by the way, by age uh, 17. But those who have not lost their virginity by 24 tend to stay a virgin. I find that interesting. Uh, Some people are wired to have more sex than others. Scientists are not entirely sure why it is, but it is true in both males and females. Some will want more, while others, others will want less. It just depends on how their brain is wired. Another fact, contrary to what men and women are led to believe, the size of a man's penis fully erect is not really that important. Uh, For men, sex burns between 100 and 200 calories on average. uh, And for women, 69 calories. Does that tell you men do more of the work? (laughs) Something like that. Um, Let's see. Studies show that lower cholesterol is directly related to a better performance in the bedroom. So another good reason to keep your cholesterol down. And for those uh, who are wondering if their grandparents are still having sexual intercourse, the answer is yes. Approximately a third of women in their 80s continue to have sex with their husband or boyfriend, as long as, of course, they're in good physical health. Uh, Humans are not the only ones interested in performing oral sex. Guess what other species likes to perform oral sex for fun? Wolves, bears, and bats. Uh, while many know that chocolate can be an excellent arousal for having sex, apparently the smell of pumpkin can help increase the blood flow to the penis to encourage an erection. So you can get a, you can get a candle that uh, has the smell of pumpkins and put that near your bed. Uh, low blood sugar can easily cause harm to your love life as low blood sugar makes you irritable and less likely to want your partner. Another fact for you, for men under the age of 40, their average time to erection is a mere 10 seconds. For some people, it's a little shorter, but if it's much longer than 10 seconds, it may be an indication of erectile dysfunction or some underlying cause. The initial spurt of a man's ejaculation travels at approximately 28 miles per hour. That's Faster than the 100 meters dash uh, world record, which is currently at 22.9 miles per hour. What other facts can I share with you? Only 5% of the population have sex once a day. 20% have sex about three to four times a week. And then the rest, not quite sure. Uh, Approximately 60% of men who get aroused have erect nipples. In fact, the nipples are just as sensitive in men as they are In women, Uh, the the recipe to the sensitivity of the clitoris is its 8,000 nerve fibers, which, by the way, is twice as many as contained in the the penis. No wonder this is the preferred way for women to, um, to get aroused. Not preferred way, but the best way. As an orgasm becomes imminent in a woman, the vagina decreases in size by as much as 30%. This contraction is most likely to help increase the sensitivity felt by the woman as she climaxes into the orgasm. Another, uh, Here's a tidbit for you about masturbation. Masturbation is known to help cure depression as the release of emotions and hormones when orgasm is reached to put your mind at ease and make you more comfortable with your body. I don't think I'd go so far as to say cure depression, but can make you feel better for sure. In order to know how much testosterone a man has, apparently if you can compare the length of his ring finger to his index finger. And the longer the ring finger is in comparison to the index finger, the more testosterone in his body. I haven't fact-checked all of these, especially that one, not sure. Uh, here's one of, the, one of the weirdest facts. Uh, women who are prone to migraines are also more likely to have more sex because orgasms can help alleviate the pain of a migraine. That is true. Orgasms do alleviate pain. Approximately 1% of women can achieve full orgasm solely through stimulating their breasts. And that's one of our sex trivia questions. When you are aroused and prepped for sexual intercourse, you are actually less likely to be grossed out by anything that happens. So some of those things that we consider embarrassing moments during sex, and you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Partner doesn't care. It's okay when you're aroused. Uh, And then this one, orgasms along with sneezes cannot be voluntarily stopped once they have started, because they are physiological responses to an event. You know, when I talk about premature ejaculation and I talk about the point of no return, that's the point of no return. When you get to that point, when you cross over there, you cannot stop it from happening. And if you're unaware of your point of no return, if you don't know when it's about to happen and you don't know your body well, then uh, this is how often uh, premature ejaculation kind of sets in. So knowing and feeling what is going on in your penis, very important. Did you by any chance get your Valentine an internet-connected sex toy? Now, last night I gave away an internet-connected sex toy and thankfully that sex toy, the Wee Vibe Sync, is on the good list, (laughs) but there's a lot on the naughty list. Naughty, why? Uh, Because they uh, don't, um, because of, of their privacy policy, basically. they People can get information from all the data that's collected on these sex toys. Now, there was an issue back a couple of years ago with WeVibe and and somebody had sued for that. They completely fixed all of that. Their whole privacy thing, no longer, it's it's no longer dangerous. Um, But there are still some out there that uh, have not looked into this or don't seem to care about this or don't know uh, how to make these toys secure. So you're going to want to hear about that. I'm going to tell you what the risks are. I'm talking for our sex tech guy, but that's okay. We'll probably talk about this next time he's on as well. Uh, But I want to highlight a couple of products and talk about why uh, that may put some of your information at risk, especially Bluetooth devices. But we'll, we'll get to that.
1: It's sex out loud and you're welcome to listen in passion on CJAD 800.
0: All right, let me share uh, this with you. So You've heard of these uh, these uh, sex toys, right? The cyber sex toys where you can control them with an app on your phone. They're all the rage, really. Uh, a lot of sex toys, and they're high, usually very high-end uh, sex toys. But according to Mozilla, you're going to want to look out for things like whether the product uses encryption, automatic security updates, strong password requirements, an accessible privacy policy, and a way for the company to manage security vulnerabilities in its products. Would you even think of all that? Like to me, sex toy, okay, download the app. It wouldn't occur to me to think about all of these things. Uh, but uh, Mozilla considers these five things minimum security standards for connected uh, devices. And it kind of highlights um, some of the, uh, the items here. So they looked at 18 different toys uh, that they assessed. And out of all of the ones they did, only six uh, were actually passed, uh, passed their test. One of them was the WeVibe Sync, which we gave away uh, last night. So uh, this is what I want to share with you, the risks. So experts have been raising the alarm about the teledildonic, that's the name of this type of sex toy, uh, security risks for years. Poor teledildonic security could enable not just an invasion of your most intimate information but even hypothetically remote controlled assault wherein an attacker takes over the remote app of a sex toy without its user's consent does this sound like so futuristic mm-hmm. to me it really does uh So right now, the only confirmed hacks have been done by security researchers studying these devices. But the possibility of these attacks is real. So we still need to uh, think about this. As they say, many of these devices are being produced by companies that have never connected products to the Internet before. And they have never had to worry about the pitfalls of big data collection or Internet uh, security so there are a couple things that really failed the test that for Mozilla the uh, vibratissimo panty buster uh, so there was that and apparently that easily easily hacked and why and this is just one example but because it has it connects via bluetooth which is uh, apparently quite not well, very not secure no you can't say that but not secure uh, at all and the device allows for remote access without consent there's no encryption so there's lots and lots of problems apparently this bluetooth thing is uh, is quite a big uh, a big problem for toys so just remember if it's got a bluetooth because it says that even simply opening the bluetooth explorer on your phone will reveal nearby smart adult devices that are powered on. Can you imagine your Bluetooth connects to uh, somebody else's uh, device? It says our research has shown no Bluetooth adult toys that implement secure bonding when connecting to a phone. This makes hijack possible. We've seen problems with the mobile apps that the smart toy uses. These can allow hackers remote access to very personal and intimate data Uh, for, uh, you know, for some people. Even simply opening that Bluetooth Explorer, maybe your neighbor's using something, it connects to your Bluetooth. Yikes! Apparently there's a word for this. So when Bluetooth is used to hack into and take over a sex toy, you're going to learn a new term tonight. It's called screw driving. So remember that another tidbit you can share at a party. Uh, So make sure um, that you look at the security of any toys that you have. So they, they say the other thing too, is that if a toy is given as a gift from one intimate partner to another, often the person using the device is not even in control of its setup. So the partner may have set it all up for you. you. You have no idea what's going on. It says, A lot of times technology is used to oppress people in certain types of abusive relationships. So especially when technology is a gift, there needs to be a path to make sure the person who is using the product is the person who is in control of the data generated by the product. Things I would have never, ever thought of ever thought of someone texts in it would be very interesting to see a sci-fi movie on the hacking of a sex toy in use that's that would make a great script and we'll call it screw driving and and see so interesting and scary at the same time by the way i found this study very interesting smoking a small amount of pot may boost sperm and testosterone and apparently the researchers who found this were uh, quite surprised simply because previous studies have linked heavy pot use with a slump in sperm production. The men in this study, however, were only smoking on average two joints a week. So there is a big difference from smokers who are smoking weed every day, uh, which could be detrimental to testicular function. Uh, But men uh who had ever smoked marijuana had significantly higher sperm concentrations and, and sperm counts as well as higher testosterone levels compared to men who had never smoked wheat. So it just compared those who had ever to those who had never. Uh, but then of course if uh you go into the numbers the, the sweet spot would be the two joints uh a week. So that would be the average Before it starts to have the opposite um, effect. So still beware too. It's like alcohol, too much alcohol. Same thing has that negative impact. I guess that music means it's time for me to go. I was ready to stay here all night. Uh, Thank you guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in and spending some time with me. Thank you for uh, a fun week with you. Um, I want to thank, of course, our technical producer, Dave Simon. If you want to connect with me on social media, you can do that at Dr. Lori Betito. My last name is spelled B-E-T-I-T-O. Uh, or through my website, com. Remember, you can send in your questions about sex, relationships, you want to talk something out, you want a referral, you uh, want to find out about therapy, sex therapy, psychology, uh, any of that stuff, you can send me an email anytime, laurie at com. Coming up next on CJAD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, a wonderful weekend and remember to live your life with passion.